This is the Weekend Booktopian. My name is Mark Harding and I am joined today by three Booktopians who are going to be talking about the books that they are reading and uh, enjoying at the moment. Uh, so today I have Scott Whitmont, Nick Wasiliev and Olivia Frico with me. Hi guys. Uh, Hi. Let's, let's jump straight into it. Uh, Scott, what are you reading at the moment and what are you liking about it? Well, um, having just come out of lockdown, I've been reading a bit more than usual, so I've got three books to quickly tell you about today. Um, I've I've read a book I just finished, which I love, which I think might have been on the podcast before, but I give my take on it, and that's The Echo Chamber by John Boyne. Uh, if people like humorous writing, what I loved about it, it's really laugh out loud funny. It's a great satire about social media and how we all, so many of us, have our faces in our phones and on, in, on screens, in screens all the time and uh, how people will pursue anything some people to get likes on their social media and how people take on different identities to troll and hide behind a mask on social media uh, really how social media has changed the lives of people in the 21st century when we didn't even know what social media was a few decades ago and uh, the background of the book interests me a lot too because John Boyne wrote a book uh, couple of years ago called My Brother's Name is Jessica, which I also recommend. And as the name suggests, it's about a transgender character. And he got totally trolled for this book because he's not transgender himself. And the whole PC thing these days of you must be the identity of the character to write about it. And a lot of people really objected to him writing about a transgender community when he wasn't part of it. And so he shut down his own social media for a while because of how badly he was trolled. And as a result of that experience, he's written this satire about about social media and about trolling and the Cleverly family in London. Uh, George is uh, a TV uh, star. He's got an interview show. His wife, Beverly, is a best-selling novelist and they have three young, you know, early 20s kids um, who have different issues of their own and are all obsessed with different uh, areas of social media, Twitter, etc. But as I said, it's really laugh out loud. My partner at some stage was saying to me, what are you reading? Because I was in hysterical laughter. So if you like satire, if you're into social media, I think you'll love uh, The Echo Chamber. And knowing that backstory just makes it that much more interesting, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've, I'm familiar with that story, and it's a really interesting one. And uh, I like that um, that the book comes across as funny, because I think sometimes when people write those books that are a reaction to things that they've experienced on social media, they can sometimes come across as a bit angry. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good, that, it's good that it sounds like a funny, warm book. Well, I think he just used it as the outlet for his expression of his frustration. And uh, somebody said to me, oh, he's just whinging about his experience. I'm like, yeah, but he's entitled to whinge. And what a way to whinge in a very entertaining novel for other people. Uh, the Cleverly family, the protagonists in the book, they're all really awful, to tell you the truth. But they're sort of people you love to hate um, right. with their shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first one. Um, my second, uh, mine are totally different. The, the, I won't spend as long with the others, but um, the other one uh, is called um, uh, Vanderbilt, The Rise and Fall of an American Dynasty, nonfiction. It's uh, the biography, the history of the Vanderbilt family, and it's by the well-known, very successful uh, TV journalist Anderson Cooper, who himself is a Vanderbilt in terms of his mother was Gloria Vanderbilt, uh, who had an amazing career herself and was the uh, subject of a major court battle in the 1920s when she was a little toddler, a custody battle with her parents. But he tells 
tells the whole story of um, the Vanderbilts from the Commodore Cornelius Vanderbilt, who was his great, great, great grandfather, uh, who built this shipping and railroad empire. And then Billy, his son, who doubled the family Vanderbilt fortune. And uh, the next generations really just tried to think of ways of how to spend all the fortune that had been made. And they built like an amazing 70-room summer estate in Newport called the Breakers. And the last Vanderbilt, a cousin of Anderson Cooper's, just moved out of there in 2018. It's now a museum. Uh, and a huge mansion on Fifth Avenue where in the Gilded Age of New York, they had huge balls and they were the height of New York aristocratic society. Ava Vanderbilt and her daughter Consuela Vanderbilt, who uh, ended up marrying into British aristocracy and becoming the Duchess of Devonshire. You know, all of these stories of the generations of the Vanderbilts and their successes as well as their foibles and errors uh, and salacious gossip too, it's all included in there. Anderson, Vander Anderson Cooper uh, has just become a father in the last year or so and uh, now being a father, he, he said he never was really interested in the family history but now he wanted to record it so his son would know of the background of where he came from. And the Vanderbilts, you know, like the, the Kennedys and other, other you know, big families um, in America really made their mark on uh, American society. And this is the first sort of definitive book about their history. So I'm finding it really, really interesting. Um, and the last one is uh, a novel called Return to Berlin by Ellen Feldman. I earlier on a podcast a year or so ago talked about Paris Never Leaves You, which was her last one set during World War II. But this one is immediately post-war, uh, set in Berlin. And it's a story of Millie Mossbach and her brother David, who are American, but they started life as German Jewish children who got out of Germany on the Kinder transport before, after Kristallnacht, uh, before World War II. Their parents managed to get them visas to get out, and the parents and younger sister were going to join them. But sadly, the parents and younger sister never got out. And so Millie and her brother grew up in America and now from the 30s, and now it's 1947. They've been asked, as many Americans in the, in the forces were asked to, who were bilingual like they were, to go back to Germany to participate in the denazification process where they interviewed lots of German citizens uh, with the potential to uh, them having great having leading jobs in journalism or in the courts or in public life in Germany, but the occupying American, you know, allied forces wanted to make sure that Nazis weren't uh, leading Germany post-war. So they would interview them about their participation or potential collaboration if they had had it during the war and Millie became one of these people. So it's a story of post-war Berlin, what it was like, the deprivations at right at, in the last few years at the end of the war, a life in Berlin for the people of Berlin who'd, you know, gone through the bombings and, and the end of the war there. But there was a subplot also about Millie and David trying to find out what had happened to their parents and their sister who never joined them um, in America where Millie and David were adopted or fostered to other families. So there's that family mystery also. Great research, good historical fiction. If you like reading historical fiction, I love it. It opens the door to part of history you might know about. Um, I really enjoyed uh, that and recommend um, Berlin, A Return to Berlin by Ellen Feldman. So they're, they're my three. Brilliant, Scott. Thank you so much. They all sound fantastic. Um, we'll move over now to Olivia. Uh, Liv, what are you reading and what are you liking about it? Uh, hi, Mark. Uh, so I've just got one book to talk about today, um, and that book is Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. Um, 
Oh. It's the only one of Jane Austen's like major six novels that I haven't read. Um, but I am really liking it um, a lot more than I thought I would. And I'll talk a bit about why in a second. But basically this is the story of a young girl called Fanny Price. Um, she grew up in a family that was, you know, she had a lot of brothers and sisters, but they were a little bit impoverished because her mother made an unwise choice in her marriage, let's say. And she'd been kind of cut off from her sisters who were a little bit wealthier and managed to marry a bit better. Um, but um, as we meet Fanny, she's a little girl, which number one is unusual in a Jane Austen novel. Normally her heroines are quite grown and in the early 20s, but we first meet Fanny when she's about seven years old. Um, and her aunt Bertram, who's a rich woman who lives on the estate of the title, Mansfield Park, um, she and her sister, uh, Mrs. Norris, they decide to do something nice for their sister um, who is impoverished and taking one of her children. Uh, they have, I think, more selfish reasons for doing it. It's not done out of entirely out of love. I think they just want to be seen as being good people. But anyway, they take Fanny in, but poor old Fanny is always reminded that she is not really part of the Bertram household. She's not on the same level as all the other girls. And they kind of take a few pains to keep reminding her of that fact and putting her in her place. Um, so she's constantly left out of everything. Uh, she hasn't had a coming out ball, which is a big thing for back in the early 1800s. Um, so every time her fancy cousins would go off to a ball, she would stay behind um, with her aunt. And basically the story kind of follows her early life quite quickly and then we move into when she's about in her late teens and she like she lives in, in this house she doesn't have very good relationships with anyone except her older cousin Edmund and he's the only one who really shows her any kind of kindness um, but uh, the story picks up when these two very fancy um, city dwellers the Crawford brother and sisters um, so Mary Crawford and Henry Crawford they come to the little town where Mansfield Park is and they cause a bit of a stir and uh, the beautiful handsome uh, Mary Crawford catches the eye of Edmund who Fanny is beginning to uh, feel some type of way about let's just ignore the fact that Edmund's her cousin um, and it kind of follows the story of you know what happens when these people come to this town and the things that they uncover uh, I'm not very far into this um, I'm only about a hundred pages but I am really enjoying it um, like I said, it's a bit of a departure from Jane Austen's regular style, uh, which is interesting because it's only her third novel, her third published novel, I believe. Um, but I'm about to get very nerdy about English, so please bear with me. Um, but normally with Jane Austen novels, she was a pioneer of that, this style called free and direct style or free and direct discourse or speech. Um, and it's basically a narrative position that al allows the narrator to stay omniscient and all knowing, but still inhabit the minds of her main characters so she can get into their thoughts while still, you know, being a bit funny and all knowing about them. It's a very typical Jane Austen style, but she doesn't really utilize it a lot in this, at least in the beginning. Um, we don't actually know a lot about what's going on in Fanny's head. We only kind of are seeing how she's feeling about situations, judging from her outward behavior, um, which is interesting. And it's, I guess the first, of Jane Austen's novels that's 
truly a Bildungsroman in the strictest sense. I guess Emma would be as well. And all of them are to a certain extent, but none of them really follow a character from childhood, which is interesting. Um, I am really enjoying it. Uh, Jane Austen is just, she's a classic for a reason. Um, this book is quite funny in parts. Um, Jane Austen has such a screwball kind of style to it. Like her ridiculous characters are really ridiculous and they kind of fall on their own swords and she doesn't have to do very much to show how ridiculous they are. Like there's a character in this who's um, like Fanny Price's aunt, Aunt Bertram. She's literally just obsessed with her pug. And it's always just thinking about what her pug's doing. Is her pug happy? She never goes anywhere because she doesn't want to be separated from her pug. And the pug's name is Pug. It's pretty funny. Um, but I just, I want to come in and bat for Fanny Price because I think she has a bit of a reputation for being the most boring Austin heroine um, because she's a bit of like, you know, a bit right. Well, not right. She's a bit, she's a little bit of a doormat. But I'm going to come in and bat for her because... She's a sweetheart. And when you look at the way she's treated by the other characters, it's no wonder, you know, constantly being reminded that you're not good enough, not even getting your own coming out ball until strangers in the family say, say, who is that beautiful lady over there? Um, all she wants is just to be loved and to show love to others. And she's a sweetheart. And anyone who said that she's the most boring heroine, turn on your location. I just want to talk. Yeah. Uh, Liv. I don't think she's boring at all, Liv. I, th I think it's great you've Thank gone to you. bat for her because I remember her as having a great moral compass and sticking to her guns mm. and her integrity and and not, in fact, I don't think she's a doormat because she never gives in to the social mores of what's expected of her. And one other yeah. comment you made, you've got to remember at the time that it wasn't unusual for cousins to have relationships or even marry and, and if some decades mm. later, in fact, a number of Queen Victoria's grandchildren who are first cousins to each other marry you know that that was acceptable in those days so you know we're kind of freaked out by that thought in in the 21st century but then it wasn't so unusual to have feelings for a cousin and that was accepted but I, I think that she's been uh, unfairly ignored so I'm glad you brought her to the fore this week and people everyone knows Pride and Prejudice but they often ignore Mansfield Park so it's great you've waved the flag for everyone to to give it a try and meet Fanny. And it's that, yeah, and it's that reason, I think, unconsciously, that I'd never picked it up, because I just thought, oh, that's the boring Jane Austen. But it's not. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. She's not, I mean, she's not my favourite heroine. No one can beat Emma Woodhouse for me, but, like, it's, mm -hmm. it's great. Wow. I love the luck. The, yeah. This is, uh, this is the, I, I have to say, that is probably the most on-brand five minutes of dialogue I've ever heard from you with. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say, now we know why you are, you are the, uh, the editor of the Booktopian blog. <laughs> because of, because you, you go straight into language, into discussion about the language. <laughs> Listen, I've got to get my money's worth from my, my English literature master's degree. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, Liv. Um, and then uh, lastly, over to Nick. Uh, what are you reading and what are you liking about it? Well, I have one book with me this week, but I've also got a book that is on its way, which is which I'm also going to talk about in detail. So I'm going to first of all talk about the book that I have been reading and ex very much enjoying over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, it's It's been a very strange time, it's fair to say for everyone. And it's, you know, coming out of lockdown, we're in this time of, of real kind of unease and uncertainty um and it's i don't need to i don't need to kind of beat around the bush here but a book has come out that has come out in the last week or so that 
is serving as the perfect remedy uh, and, and serving as the perfect reminder of actually what is important in life. Um, and it is from Booktopian darling, Trent Dalton. Um, everyone loves him to bits. Uh, we all, you're familiar with, of course, Boy Swallows Universe, um, as well as All Our Shimmering Skies, which came out last year um, to considerable acclaim. Um, there is something about his books and it's uh, that really just hits uh, like kind of the value of humanity and the value of, of love. And it's, it, it, it can be seen as cheesy, but I think in some ways it's just, it, 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 in these times, there is no surprise that, that what he strives for has resonated with so many people. And his latest effort is this nonfiction book, Love Stories. Um, and to dissect this book is quite difficult because there's, there's a whole bunch of other elements to it, not just the actual love stories. So for context around this book, um, Trent lost a very close friend uh, at the end of last year. Um, uh, who, was a, a fr who was the mother of one of his closest friends. And then on the actual day of the, of the funeral, he was given a beautiful uh, old typewriter by her husband and who told him that he, this mother wanted him to have it. And so Trent made a promise to write something beautiful and special on that typewriter. And so he, he basically sat on a corner in Brisbane um, and basically asked passers-by, can you tell me a love story? And he, the stories that he is, has, has uh, collected here are so wonderful and beautiful. There are some tough ones to read as well. Like there, it, it shows love in all of its forms. Um, and it's such a wonderful tonic for the times that we are in because it really says, well, all of this other superficial thing, stuff that we have been surrounded by over the last couple of years, um, really isn't what about, isn't really what life is, is like, is about when it comes to the end of your life or at the end of your life, what will you be thinking about? You'll be thinking about the people that you knew and, and everything around that. Um, it's, this book is really about, it, it's, it's a timely reminder about what, about the value of love and about the value of people in your life and what love actually does for us as human beings. Um, I won't kind of talk about all of the stories because there are so many of them. Um, but for context, um, there are, this book talks about a prince from Zimbabwe who is missing his mother. There's high school sweethearts. And then there's a, a blind man who wants to see the face of his wife of 30 years. Um, there, there's, a, there's stories about believers and what choose, people choose to believe in. And it, there is so many stories that are covered. I think he spoke to about 150 passers-by in this book. And um, I, won't, I won't beat about the bush for this one anymore, but I will just say, go and buy it it's it is absolutely worth your time and if you are feeling down in the dumps and feeling a little bit you know lost for time uh or feeling a little bit lost in at the end of 2021 after you know what has been a pretty rough couple of years this book is fantastic i highly recommend it trent dalton's love stories thanks nick uh what was the other book that you were going to talk about <laughs> um, the other book I was going was to talk about uh, is still to arrive, um, but we have talked about it on the podcast a few weeks back. Um, and that was a, a book from a certain Clementine Ford um, called How We Love. So we were lucky enough to speak to her on the podcast 
earlier this week. And I have, and I'm, and I'm going into this podcast actually not having read it. So this is the one that I'm excited for. I'm just um, totally pumped about what this book is going to be about. And I'm excited for uh, what will happen when I turn those first couple of pages. But how she pitched it in the podcast is basically a very deeply personal exploration of, of love. I'm, so, I'm still on the love kick. It's really, it's, it's very much a, a continuing from that kind of love kick that, uh, that, that love stories is, is, is kind of given for me. But it's a, a fantastic examination of, of, her, of Clem's personal experiences with love, um, her experiences with her family, with her, with her mother, who she lost at a very young age. Um, and it's, and it seems, uh, it's see, I think from what it sounds like and from what she kind of described it by, again, I have not read this book. I'm excited to read this book. This book is, is it's out on Tuesday next week. Um, so please go and check it out. Uh, I highly, I, I'm super excited to check it out myself, but with her previous books, like fight like a girl and boys will be boys. She was really on a roll to try and, and make a genuine societal change with these books, with those, with those books. There was a, she was really on a mission with them. Um, and of course it's, this book sees her in a much more reflective mindset from what, from what she has described it. It sees her actually taking the time to have a look at her own experiences in her own life and her own feelings. And it was in discussing this podcast, she kind of really showed herself as someone, you know, she's often, you know, at the receiving end of criticism online and, and a lot of internet trolls who, who look at, at, the concept of feminism as something that is is dangerous and inappropriate, whatever you may call it. But the the feeling that I got from chatting to her, from us chatting to her, was that this book is all about love and the place that she comes from with with whatever she with what she wants to achieve. It's from a genuine place of love. So I'm really pumped for this book. I'm really pumped for for how we love and. From uh, from what Sarah mentioned about uh, mentioned talking about this one in the last pod uh, last time we mentioned it um, in this podcast, I uh, I can't wait until it uh, for it to turn up on my doorstep and I can get into it. You're just all about love, today, aren't you, Nick? Yeah, look, it's, it's the end of the it's the end of the year. It's been a tough year. I'm sometimes the the cheesiest stuff is the best. It's the best. Yeah, and that's a nice combo of books. I feel like they would complement each other really well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so too. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Nick. And it's also worth mentioning that um, we're going to have an interview with Trent Dalton about love stories uh, on our podcast channel next week. So uh, please uh, stay stay listening for that. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Scott, Liv, and Nick, thank you so much for your time and those wonderful uh, recommendations. Uh, and thank you to everybody who listened. You can find links to all of the books that we discussed today in the show notes, or you can just head over to booktopia.com.au and uh, search for them and buy other books. It's a good website. You should check it out. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. 
Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.